Hello, and welcome to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin. Moral equivalence as a justification for political violence. So we are in the fifth week of the Hamas war against Israel, against the West, as we'll talk about in a second. And former President Obama said the following, which if you didn't see it, folks, you have to. Obama was on a podcast and said, if there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and, and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas that that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is unbearable. So moral equivalence basically says there is no right or wrong, right? That one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. So my question is, have we lost such moral clarity and there is no right or wrong that justification for political violence ends up being the result and it's okay? So it's okay to rape women. It's okay to behead babies. It's okay to burn people alive because one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And let's think back to where all this came from initially. Remember when you were in school and two kids got into a fight and the teacher couldn't figure out who was right or wrong? So therefore, or chose not to, by the way, then therefore they punished them both. What message did that send to the aggressor is that it's okay because we're both going to be punished. Now, the Obamas of the world, and grant you that former President Obama is in a class by himself, um, maybe not by himself, but he should be. Uh, that would be the guy in the corner. Uh, President Obama and his ilk, life springs, est, all that sensory perception training in the 70s during the hippies that, you know, well, that may work for you, but it doesn't work for, for me. That's your truth. That's not my truth. Let's be really clear here. There is no moral equivalence. It's not Israel whose charter calls for wiping the Palestinians off the map. It's not Israel that uses hospitals and shelters and temples or mosques as hiding places for their weaponry. It's not Israel that trains their children to be suicide bombers or, and to become martyrs. It's not Israel that puts homosexuals or other human rights pe uh, people to death because it is contravenes the religion. The only country in the Middle East that supports all these human rights is Israel. So this whole moral equivalent stuff is absolutely ridiculous. And my question to everyone is, if we can't tell the difference between right and wrong, then we've lost our humanity. And I'm going to end the monologue with the following story. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. And one of the audience members asked, why does the Muslims hate the Jews? And it's not all Muslim. We're talking about radical Islam, of course. You're talking about Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran. Why do they hate the Jews? And my response was the following. They don't just hate the Jews. The Jews are the tip of the spear. If they're successful in exterminating the Jews and driving them in the sea, if you're Christian, you're next. Because this really is not about 
the Jews solely. This is a war for humanity, and it's a war on the West. It's a war on Judeo-Christian values. And if we don't have the moral clarity to understand that, and by the way, that's the difference, right? Moral equivalence, there is no right or wrong. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Versus moral clarity, there is right or wrong. And you have to be willing to stand up and call out right or wrong. If we've lost that ability, then we've lost our humanity, and maybe we get what we deserve in all of this. Moral equivalence justifies political violence. And when you have people like President Obama who calls he calls Israel an occupier, folks, Israel withdrew from Gaza, I think it was in 2014. So I guess what they're saying is that Israel's occupying the land since 1948, which is a whole nother thing we're going to talk about later on in the show. But leave it at this. Moral equivalence or moral clarity, because moral equivalence leads to political violence being okay. And it's not okay with me. Is it okay with you? Stay tuned for the main part of the show. We have a great interview coming up with Congresswoman Kat Kamek and a few other interesting segments. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Hello. Welcome back to Of the People. I am Robert Chernin with my lovely co-host. Erica Reddick. Yes, you are. So we were lucky enough to catch up with Congresswoman Kat Kamek recently. Sat down with her, actually stood up with her for, for an interview about elections, about what's going on. She, uh, an absolute force. Erica, let's jump right into this interview and then we'll come back on the other side of it. Hello, welcome to Of the People. We are pleased to have with us the youngest or second youngest woman elected to Congress. Yeah. Congresswoman Kat Kamek. <laughs> Congresswoman, welcome to Of the People. Hey, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. And welcome to New Hampshire in the First in the Nation Summit. We're thrilled to have you. So let's talk all things New Hampshire since that's what we're here for. Absolutely. New Hampshire 1, New Hampshire 2. And yeah. folks, the Congresswoman is responsible for recruiting candidates or finding good candidates to run for office. We've obviously got some competitive races coming up. Yes. How's the process going? Let's talk about those races because while we are the only red state in New Hampshire, that's on the, uh, in the red state in New England, that is on a state level. Yeah. On the federal elections, we need to pick up some seats. How's it going? Well, obviously, I believe that New Hampshire, you could win in New Hampshire 1 and 2. Uh, that's why I supported all of our candidates, both on the Senate side and on the House side last cycle, and even went and campaigned for the mayor's race in Manchester, because I really believe that people in New Hampshire, they are every bit of the live free or die state. They really embody that. They don't want this yes, excessive government overreach. They don't want a big bureaucratic government telling them how to live their lives and when they're gonna do something. They want that freedom. They have that grit. And so we need candidates who embody that. And so whether it is at the mayor's race, whether it is at the mayor's level, at the Senate level, at the House level, we have the potential to really flip these seats, to represent the people who have been longing for that voice. I've taken the unofficial position of the adopted Congresswoman of New Hampshire. Um, yes, and, and we're thankful that you have. <laughs> Thank you. Because even though you can't vote for me, I vote for folks every single day, no matter where they are in the country. And until we really put the power back with we the people, it will all be lost. We are combating an imperial presidency, a, a Senate that has no desire to do anything, and a House that is in turmoil. 
we have got to grow our majority and it starts right here in New Hampshire. That's why I'm so excited about, in particular, New Hampshire One. I think that this is a seat that is ripe for the picking. So what we are doing is we are putting the resources in to not only recruit great candidates, but then when they come out of the primary, we are going to be sending an entire team with resources to help them chase ballots. Because at the end of the day, it's simple math. Do you have more ballots than the next guy? And so we're going to make sure that we're doing everything we can to do a full court press in New Hampshire. And get out of the vo- get out the vote is so it's so it important, is. especially in a presidential in a presidential cycle. I don't want you to name names, and I know you can't take a position <laughs> in all of this. I'm not going to put you on the record as doing that. Uh-huh. But are are you narrowed down to a couple candidates that you think? Can, can be competitive in New Hampshire 1. And I live in New Hampshire 2, so mm-hmm. can we talk a little bit about yes, that? Yes, we because, can. Because Congresswoman Custer is, is someone that we would like to retire. Very nice lady. She was on the plane right. with me last night. But I think retirement would serve her well. Right. And you know what? I think you'd be a great candidate for New Hampshire 2 <laughs> since we're talking recruitment right now. But what do you think? Would you be up for the job? Um, you, you know what? I would have to check check at home to see make, make sure I have the family behind me, and and that's a conversation we'll have at some other time. But I don't think today is that day. But um, so who do we have for New Hampshire? Do anybody besides a, me, of course? Besides you, uh, and this is a new addition to the New Hampshire Two roster. Exactly. But we have had a few folks that have reached out, and they're really testing the waters. The thing that we have to do at the national level is prove a path forward, make it so that people understand that there is a path to victory. So often people jump in the race and they say, I'm going to do this, but then all of a sudden they haven't put the pieces in place. That's what we're doing right now. We know that we're up against a clock, but we know that next year, especially with the presidential and all the attention that comes on New Hampshire, this is going to be prime for picking up not just one seat, but two. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Look, I've been in politics a long time. Uh, I've raised money. I worked for, for uh, Bush 43, ran the Jewish outreach for them. For See, the, you're for making the a country. great case for exactly. why you should run. But I can tell you that there is sort of losing fatigue. Yes. The fatigue at never winning affects who runs, who wants to throw their, their name in the hat, yeah. who raising money, getting donors to contribute, because it is all about, at the end of the day, having more votes. But th- there's so much that goes into that. So I hope that you recruit really excellent candidates. I'm not one of them right now, but we'll talk <laughs> off, off camera. Let's talk about what's going on in the House yeah. with the Speaker's race. Yeah. So obviously, uh, Congressman Scalise with you know withdrew. Uh, I don't know if, if uh, the former Speaker is going to throw his hat back in the ring. I know that obviously Jim Jordan is there. Give us the latest. You just came in, as you shared with yeah. me, at 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. What's going on in D.C.? And by the way, I'm sure you were happy to get out of there. Oh, man, I can't tell you how happy I was to get out of the swamp. It is chaos right now, but I do think we're making progress. When I left, Jim Jordan was our speaker designee. And as someone who supported Jim Jordan, not once, but twice, now three times um, in this race for a speaker, I think that that's an important, important step that we've taken forward. I will say, you know, everything happens behind closed doors, so I want to be very transparent. I think that's one of the fundamentally broken issues in Washington is the lack of transparency. But behind closed doors, Kevin McCarthy was intent, was incredibly gracious. And he went to bat, to the microphone, multiple times saying, let's get Jim elected. Let's get Jim elected. Let's do this. And so there's definitely this move towards unity. But we still have some folks that are holdouts, folks that have, for one reason or another, uh, a reason to vote against Jim. And the challenge that we have is if we go to the House floor, not having 217 votes, we risk giving the gavel 
to Hakeem Jeffries. Which is, which is unacceptable, unacceptable, and, and, and an anathema to me. Absolutely. Well, look, we appreciate, we know you're busy, Congresswoman. We Thank appreciate you. you coming coming on of the people. We want to give you a present. This is one of our books, oh. the, the New Civil War. The New Civil War. Um, I think that we're that, trying to uh, avoid. That we're trying to avoid, but Thank there you. is a civil war. It's just not a shooting war at this point. Yeah. But there's a culture war and there's a divide. Absolutely. And there I is. appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on. We've been talking with Thank Congresswoman you. Kat Kamek of the people. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're back. Great interview with Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Erica, she is just a powerhouse. Second youngest woman elected to Congress. All yes. about candidate selection. Um, talking about a few uh, other things. I mean, let's talk about candidate selection, right? That yeah. She makes a good point. We need more people running for office. You ran for yeah. office. I did. Yep. I ran for the one congressional seat in Vermont uh, in 2022. And she was asking you about whether or not you're <laughs> going to run for office, Mr. Chernin. Mm -hmm. Senator Chernin has a nice oh. ring to it. Has a nice ring to it, don't you think? I it mean, does. I, I think the only office that I could get elected to yeah. would be dog catcher. <laughs> I don't know about that, Robert. You're pretty smart. Uh, you know a couple things. Uh, you're you are definitely qualified. Uh, you know one of the things we 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 joked about, uh, and we wanted to share with you guys is for those of you who don't think that you're qualified to run for office, that maybe you know you're just a normal, average, everyday person. Listen to a few comments and statements made by our current elected officials in Washington right now. Oh, you're going to roll this one? This is great. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. I've held an AR-15 in my hand. I wish I had it. It is as heavy as... 10 boxes that you might be moving uh, and the bullet that is utilized, a 50 caliber, these kinds of bullets uh, need to be licensed and do not need to be on the streets. And the Eagles are so much better than Eagles. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Um, these folks are your elected officials, right? Oh my gosh. That's I, why, by, by the way, that's why when I say if elected, I promise not to serve. So. Seriously. I mean, in, in all seriousness, if you think an island is going to tip over or you say that an AR-15 weighs as much as 50 boxes, um, what are these 50 boxes that you would be carrying? I mean, are they like little tiny empty jewelry boxes? Maybe that's the same. And air's like six pounds. Who are these people? And how are they? Who is electing them? Well, these are their elected representatives. Here's my question, though, Erica. So I was when I was growing up, I was always taught it's two things. And I've been in politics a long time. It's two things. You have to be able to get out the vote and you have to have a good candidate. But when you yeah. look at, you know, the, the John Fetterman's of the world, right? Senator Fetterman. Oh. I mean, it, 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 no disrespect. If 
How Pennsylvania elected John Fetterman, I have no idea. He may be a very nice guy, and I feel very bad, you know, the stroke that he's dealt with and, and him trying yeah. to go forward. But to have such lack of respect for the Senate and its customs to wear the hoodie and whatever, um, and then you go through all these other candidates, it makes me wonder, maybe you don't have to be a great candidate. So for, for our listeners yeah. out there. You have this congresswoman, Kat Kamek, running around the country looking for great candidates. And we have a plan, or they have a plan, to get good candidates elected. And by the way, look at the governor's race in Louisiana. The governor-elect Landry, mm. great candidate, great turnout the vote, low propensity voters, which is a whole conversation. Uh, so, yeah. so you can get elected clearly if you're not a great candidate. But any of you are thinking of running, if you want to know how to run for office, call us. Call yes. me. By the way, I'm going to do something I probably shouldn't do. My phone number is 603-892-3203. How do you like them apples? Wow. Call me if you want to run for office in New Hampshire or anywhere around the country. And yep. we will put you in touch with the right people, whether it's Congresswoman Kat Kamek or other people. Because what we Someone need- Someone in your state- Someone in your state is people yep. who are running. I do want to go to one thing though. Under the heading of can't believe they're elected, and she's been elected like forever. So yeah. in your state of Texas, my favorite is Sheila Jackson Lee. She's the worst. No, she she's is my the favorite. Worst. <laughs> did, did you see what? Why? Because she's so terrible. Just, wait, wait. So, by the way, we're all racist now. So she was caught on audio <laughs> in a profanity laced tirade <gasps> against one of her staffers <gasps> and so so wait i just happen to have it right here oh I as you would this. expect robert to do good so, let's see where this um uh so basically oh come on i had it right here it is in here somewhere Oh my God! For those of you who don't know Sheila Jackson yeah, Lee, she minute. represents the Houston second. area. She is a representative in the Houston area, so South Texas. Um, right. I'm not sure oh, exactly which district. Half did it, face did it, and nobody knows a god thing in my office. Okay, nothing. I gave it to you. Your job was to get it on the calendar, imprint it in your brain, or send me the information back saying, Congresswoman, I made sure that the Ovi Duncan Tell event that you gave me uh, for so-and-so date at 7 is on the f***ing calendar. Not to old Jerome Hansen. Okay? So when I called Jerome, he only sit up there like a fat, stupid idiot talking about uh, what the he doesn't know. Okay? Both of y'all are up a f***ing F. It's the worst that I could have ever had put together. Two God I mean, I mean, I, so in, in three sentences, let's see, in three sentences, there was one, it was two, mostly swearing, three, four, five, six, seven, eight <laughs> expletives, right? And this woman, so what has she been elected for like 30 terms? I mean, she's been there since she's older than dirt. She's been there forever, right? Ugh. But but, come on. Now, what was her response when she was called out on this? Um, on. That whoever leaked it is a racist. You got it. You got because it. she's a strong black woman right. that right. she's being targeted. She's only being targeted because of her race and her gender. 
<laughs> what? I just, well, um, I, you know, so you just sit there and you go, if these people can be, I mean, these are your elected representatives, folks. No, we no have to be able to do better than this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, no accountability, no sense. If you think that you can't do a better job uh, than the people who are currently elected to office, I am just telling you that you're wrong. These are not bright people. Many of them, uh, many, many of them are, uh, many of them are just your average ordinary Americans, you know, hairdressers, school teachers, uh, bartenders, uh, you know, there, there's no reason we can't have reasonably intelligent average Americans elected to office who, who will do a better job than the people who are currently there. I'm just telling you, get hey, these people is, out, get them out. This, look, we, Benjamin Franklin famously said that we tend to take, get the type of representative government we deserve. My comment to that is, ladies and gentlemen, we, you, all of us deserve better than that. And the truth is, if Mad Maxine, if Maxine Waters, my other favorite loony bin in Congress, if Maxine Waters can get elected repeatedly, even while she's up under investigation or the husband for, gra I mean, I mean, the graft. It just, it, it's, you know, or grifting, um, made famous by the Clintons, of course. Uh, it's just out of control. So you just got to wonder where are the good people who want to take this country back or at least good government? What we want is good government. Yeah. And, and you want someone who's not there forever, who goes, does the job, and comes back. By the way, that's why I live in New Hampshire, citizen legislature. It's wonderful. You should try it sometime. Term so folks, limits, baby. Term, term limits. Term limits. Um, actually, so I have a thought on term limits too. I actually think you should term limit the, the House, but not the Senate. Because you need some institutional knowledge. Someone who's been there, right? And, mm. and look, senators, remember, under the great compromise, you know, that, you know, that you know Monroe or is it Madison? I think it was Madison. Madison. Might have been Monroe. No, I think it was Monroe. Actually, the great compromise between the large states and the small states. You had the House of Representatives, which is popularly elected, mm. and initially, yep. let's not forget, senators were not popularly elected. Citizens would vote for Congress. They would vote for the state legislature, and the state legislator would point a senator. Yep, and they right? changed it. And, and so the Senate is the cooling chamber. You need someone with institutional knowledge, but the House burns hot. The Senate's supposed to be the cooling chamber. So if it's me, I term limit the House. And I probably wouldn't term limit the Senate. What do you think about mm. that one? I know you're, ter you're like Mrs. Term Limits for everybody. 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 Get them out of there. I think 12 years is long enough. I think two term limits for a Senator, 12 years, that's plenty of time. Um, to have institutional knowledge and cooling and things. But, you know, to me, I don't want them to have institutional knowledge. I don't want them to be able to get anything done. I want, I want the roadblocks to, to progress reset and restored in the federal government so they can't get anything done. 
but you know me. I'm a I'm I'm borderline anarchist when it comes to the federal government. I'm bo I'm borderline an an anarcho-capitalist these days. So you might not want to ask me for my opinion on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, look, the, the the truth here is that what I want is good government. And I Amen. think that good I I think the other truth is Congress needs to do their job. Right now, we have a president, forget about President Biden, the office of the president that rules by executive order. Yeah. Congress doesn't pass budgets anymore. No. Congress we don't rarely have, get, we don't gets bills passed. separation of powers. Right. They're just, and, oh, we're just going to let the administrative state do it, or we're going to just let the, right. uh, you know, the executive orders and, you know, no, no. I don't trust Congress. I don't trust the Senate. They're terrible. They're all terrible, Robert. Throw the bums out. Throw them all out. Throw them out. all out. Start over again. Got it. Got it. Look, <laughs> if good people don't run for office, this is what you get. You get the Sheila Jackson leaves of the world. So anyways, yeah. folks, if you seriously want to run for office, 603-892-3203. They're twice in one segment, and I probably won't ever put that out like again. It. And by the way, I'm going to tell you next show, if my phone blows up or I get you know crazy people calling, um, it probably wasn't a good idea, and I'll change the phone number. But, <laughs> but, but we're very serious. If yes. you're thinking about running for office, we can help connect you with the right people. Reach out. Yep. Reach. Call Robert. Um, you can email me at, at Erica at coalition the number four america.com so e-r-i-c-k-a at coalition for america.com reach out to robert or i we will get you connected with someone in your state to help you figure out how to run for office and if you're afraid to call me you can message me at at rb churnin at which is twitter or robert c at ASIC, A C E K F U N D dot O R G. And while we're doing promos, Erica, where yeah. can they find us for the podcast? Ooh, we are, I think we're on everything except Apple at this point. So Apple podcast for whatever reason is being a bunch of weirdos. But if you're on Podbeam, Ricochet, Google, um, uh, 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 Amazon, uh, Amazon, all of Spotify. the podcast platform, po Spotify. We're literally everywhere but Apple at this point. Yeah. So yeah, find, the podcast. find the yep. podcast. Find the podcast. That's right. Lord, Be Lord Benjamin is giving us the high Robert sign. Turn. Get out of the, here. Who's Robert Turnin? Of the people, for the people, by the people, shall not perish from this earth. We have to go make some money because we are bourgeois capitalists. We will see you. At least Eric will see you. I'll see if I'm coming back on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. And we are of the people. You can find us on Rumble. You can find me on Twitter at RB Chernin. And? And I am at Erica Reddick. Look us up. You'll be entertained. That we guarantee. Absolutely. She's never wrong. Ever. <laughs> Just ask my husband. Hello and welcome back to Of the People. I'm Robert Chernin with Erica Reddick. Yes, you are. We want to give everybody Erica and Israel update. You know, 
five mm. weeks down the road. Israel is in the news, but most people not in the news, not in their consciences. Unless, of course, you're at one of the pro-Palestinian protests in, in, in the country. I don't know. Ooh. Did you see the one at the White House where they started climbing the fence and the Secret Service had to remove them? Did you see the thousands oh. in Washington, D.C.? Um, and then there's all sorts of violence oh. against against Jews in the country. So, but here's your Israel update. So Israel has, in, has started their ground campaign in Gaza. They have yep. found the... Hamas's headquarters, first time. They have yep. split Gaza in two. And then you see all these protests around the world, most yep. notably in our NATO ally, Turkey, where they stormed the U.S. airbase that's there and actually had to use water cannons to get them off. So this is a, um, what do you call it? A powder keg? It is. I, I would agree with you. It definitely is. Um, and I think... You know, something that's really important to highlight that you did in your opening monologue is this is what feels like uh, another war or crusade between the West and and Islam, um, where you are there. There are these opposing worldviews. You have Judeo-Christian values and you have Muslim values, um, and and they are not the same. Well, um, hang on, Let, let's not paint with a broad brush. This is we're not talking mm -hmm. about all Muslims. We are not talking That's about true. all of Islam. We are that is what true. you're talking about is what we would refer to as radical Islam or, or, or fundamentalist or jihadis, fundamentalist. Uh, you know, of the millions and millions of, of Muslims in the, uh, of the millions of Muslims in the world, most are as peace loving as everyone else they, in, in the judeo-christian world so so let's be clear i want to hang on and i want to hear what you have to say but i want to be clear that we're not painting with a broad brush we're not talking about islam as a religion you're talking about these specific people in islam go ahead right well and that's why i think it's clear to differentiate between right like there's there's in any religion there's like reform regular uh, you know, uh, 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 more conservative or whatever it is, but there are some realities or some differences that are that that are a foundation, right? Like having a theocracy, as an example. So Islam says that whatever government you live under should be a theocracy that religion actually calls for your government to be religiously based you're talking Whereas, about sharia you're talking about sharia law and it, i mean that's just one thing sharia law it's uh muhammad and the the Quran and things like that are supposed to speak to how government is formed and maintained, especially if you are a traditional Muslim. You you may not be, and that doesn't mean jihadi go murder people. Okay, that's not the same thing. There we're talking. There is a differentiation. I'm. I want to be really clear so p people can call me a racist or, or whatever they want to, but that is a reality, right? So, the, so in America, where or the United States particularly, where we have said we don't want to live in a theocracy, we don't want to there to be a a, a church 
that you're assigned or is created and maintained by the state, those things should be separate. And so a lot of what we're seeing in this in in the uprisings around the world, I think, is a fundamentally different worldview. And then on top of that, we have these um, folks like Hamas who literally have said that they want to eradicate Jews and Israelis and that and down with the West, down with America, kill the Jews, kill Americans. That that's literally what they are saying. I'm not saying that's all Muslims, but when we're talking about Hamas, who, like you said, their charter is literally uh, you know, their job as the they see it destruction is, of Israel. Is the destruction of Israel. And so when we're talking about moral equivalency and oh we gotta coexist and occupation and all, all this stuff and I go okay if you were if you if you and your if somebody if there was a person out there or a group of people literally calling for for your personal destruction Robert okay you you know i'm gonna kill yeah, there, you there, Robert. there are some there are some there already <laughs> <laughs> but like i'm we shall remain we shall remain you. nameless i'm gonna come kill you and i'm gonna come kill your whole family and i'm gonna come kill everyone who thinks about you i'm gonna kill everyone in your town uh would you would you think that a ceasefire was appropriate? Would you be calling for? A, oh well, you know, I know every, I know these people are saying you should all die, but you know, you shouldn't really fight back. You shouldn't really you shouldn't really shoot back at them, even though they're saying you should be murdered. You should just let them continue to threaten you and say that you should die and then encourage other people to say that you should be die, should die and be dead and recruit people to kill you. And you should still do nothing about it. You should just sit there and take it, Robert. Well, nobody, nobody would say that was okay. If you put this on an individual level or any other level, nobody would say it's okay. But somehow, now, it's okay to say about the Jews. Groups of people can say murder the Jews, kill the Jews, or is from from the land of the sea, well, you know, from, Palestine from river, will be free. From the river. Oh, and by the way, oh. from the river to the... So let me interrupt you for a second. Um, I'm sorry, and, Robert. And, 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 I'm going no, off here. I just... Okay. This is like... I, I feel what you feel. I feel what you, but, but the, the expression, and you've said a couple of good things that, well, you said a lot of good things, but you have a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on the, the phrase from the river to the sea means from the Jordan river right. to the red sea, right? Which so means Jordan, all of, which means all of Israel. So, so Rashida Tlaib, right. When she says, oh, it's just an expression. No, it isn't. What it, what it basically is saying, it's code, right? We talk about, yes. oh, you know, that's it's code for and, and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the social justice warrior, you know, knuckleheads mm -hmm. all talk about microaggressions and, co and codes. Oh, well, here's, yeah. Or, or, or dog whistles. Dog this whistles. Is, this, this is a dog whistle. 
from the river to the sea is from the Jordan River to the Red Sea, which means you're driving Israel or all the Jews into the sea. Um, and this time, God will not part the Red Sea for the Jews. That's number one. Okay, that's what they're talking about. Number two, this whole concept of a ceasefire. And by the way, the Biden administration, uh, uh, Antonin Blink or Anton Blinken, whatever his name is, our Secretary of State, wonderful man that he is, uh, basically is calling for a humanitarian pause. Now, well, first of all, they were calling for a pause. Now they were calling for a humanitarian <laughs> pause. Now they're calling for an extended humanitarian pause. So a human a humanitarian pause? Is that a joke? No. Is that a joke? Uh, Please tell uh, me it's a joke. Well, look, look, the argument is again, it's reasonable on its surface, right? The the concept of a humanitarian pause is as reasonable as diversity, equity, and inclusion. Don't you want to be diverse? Oh, of course I do. Don't you believe in equity? Oh, of course I do. Don't you believe in inclusion? Oh, of course I do. Who's going to say no to that? But that's not what they're selling, right? It's no. the same thing here. A humanitarian pause ostensibly is to allow aid to the afflicted coming into, into Gaza. The problem is that the Israelis didn't start this war. Hamas started this war. And yes, civilian casualties are a tragedy and a travesty, but... The other truth in all of this, two truths, one is a ceasefire does nothing other than Hamas, let Hamas reorganize and reconstitute itself. Yep. So don't kid yourself. You know, this is sort of, you know, you can call him a janitor, you can call him a custodial engineer. Sounds so much nicer as a custodial engineer. Let's see, pause, ceasefire, right? Because, because then what? Oh, you're going to have a humanitarian pause. Oh, let's not start up again since we already have a pause. Crap. Number two, and here's the real takeaway. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, if Hamas lays down their weapons tomorrow, there is peace. If Israel lays down their weapons, there is no Israel. That's it's right. that simple. It doesn't get any different than that. Now, I do want to take this in a slightly different direction. Let's connect the dots as we like to do, right? Mm. Two things. On yeah. Twitter, and you can go to my feed, there is actually an interesting post by this gentleman who happens to be Muslim. And he's serving in the Israeli army, right? By the mm. way, I wonder if there are any Jews serving in the Hamas army. <laughs> I don't think so. But here's what he said that I thought was very poignant. And again, we're not, trying not to paint with a broad brush. But here's what he said uh, on Twitter. And, and, I, and this is a Muslim soldier serving the Israeli army. Message Hamas the following. 27 days ago, you came here and killed women and children. That's a crime according to Islam. We are coming for you mm. to kill all of you one by one. You want to become martyrs? We promise to make you all martyrs. Now, forget about the intensity of the statement. Do you really think that there would be any Jewish soldiers who either A, would want to serve in Hamas, or B, Hamas would allow it? I mean, I guess there's some, no. some Jews in this country who support the Palestinian, you know, uh, the Hamas movement, right? That might want to do that, I, but you know, that's like that's like the the homosexuals or the LGBTQ who are preaching all this pro Palestinian stuff, not understanding that you guys be the first ones that they would kill They're because the they don't allow for anything. That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, it's outrageous. I saw right. this this video of a of a guy in a g string and fishnet stockings oh, dancing gross. with a palestinian flag draped on himself <laughs> and i was gross. like they would murder you in the streets 
over there. The only reason you're able to do this, this little demonstration you're doing is because you're in America and you, and it's, and you can't be murdered in broad daylight and get away with it. At least not normally, you know, but this unholy alliance of, 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 you know, so-called pro-Palestinian people, um, and like the LGBTQ women, like ladies, 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 uh, Hamas does not support you. They do not believe that you have rights or that you should be able to drive or be educated or, or go or go out alone without a man. I, I why are you supporting people? There is right. no moral equivalency between Hamas and anyone else any other group okay these are terrorists these are literally people who want you dead why are you calling why are you supporting a an organization that literally has called for your death and destruction so why would so, you do and, that and let's be and again let's be clear our heart goes out to the Palestine, the civilians in, in, you know, Gaza, right? The Palestinian people and the, the death, you know, and, and the pain and, and all of that, but it's not the Israelis that's not allowing them to leave. Israel tried to get them to move South in Gaza because they were going after the tunnels and going after Hamas. No, and it was Hamas right. that said, no, you can't leave. You have to stay in Locked your house. Them. It's not, it's not Israel that uses them as human shields, but let me take yep. this in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Let's connect the also, dots. really quick. Any religion or any group of people, and I'm not saying Islam says this, but any group of people that thinks it's okay to use women and children as human shields does not deserve your fealty. Those are animals. Like I said, okay, I'm done. Work, I'm done. You, no, you're not. You're just taking a pause. Oh. Or maybe it's a ceasefire. Um, yeah. So <laughs> your turn. Your my turn. turn. Exactly. <laughs> So another posting on, I want to link this back to social justice warriors and everything going on. So there's a woman, Cynthia Martinez, PhD, by the way, who posts the following on Twitter. And I want your reaction. Academics in the area of border studies, quote, you cannot teach about displacement, dispossession, suffering, resistance, decolonization, and abolition without Palestine. You can't be for abolishing ICE, that's the border control, anti-border violence or anti-carceral without supporting freedom for the Palestinians. They're connected. No, what? they're connected. They're, they're, there's a reason that Nazi Germany aligned with the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem during World War II. There is a nexus with, between radical Islam and social justice warriors. I mean, look, let's be clear in this country, right? What a lot of the liberal you know jewish community in this country now doesn't understand is they they feel displaced because they were all about mm. social justice and they didn't understand that social justice applies to everybody but the jews and the connection is is because jews are oppressors in that worldview it goes back yep. to the colonization concept that that america is a yep. colonizer israel or israelis were or the you know the jewish people were colonizers meaning that they oppressed people and moved them off their land which is which i guess you know, if you're an American Indian, you could say we were a colonizer, um, I guess. But it's sort of it's a somewhat ignorant or somewhat selective 
application yeah. of, of history. So, and again, it goes back to Obama's comment where we start, you know, where I talked about in the monologue, Obama's comment of occupation. Well, Ugh. physically, Israel has not occupied Gaza for almost 10 years. But people like Obama still say they're occupying. Well, if they're not occupying Gaza, then what are they occupying? Well, then it must be the rest of Israel, people like Obama, and I've, and I've argued this for a long time. Obama, I mean, there are people who say that Obama hates America. That's a whole conversation for, for a different day. What I will say is that Obama sees the world and sees America and Israel through the lens of a colonizer. And yeah. he is anti-colonizer. And, and if you understand Obama and, and see everything through that lens, then it, then Obama makes sense. And all the mm. um, division that he has sowed in this country for all this time makes sense. And I know we got we got to end up going to break here, but I, I definitely want to come back a little bit because I want your take because, again, so, again, Cynthia Martinez, whatever her name is, basically says that, you can't be a, if you support resistance, decolonization, dispossession, displacement, which is all social justice warrior stuff. You you mm -hmm. have to support freedom for Palestine, and you mm -hmm. have to support open borders. It's mm -hmm. connected, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if this is going to come up, but this is the picture. Where is it? There it is. You can find it. But I'm not making this shit up. So you started with the rant, and I ended the section with the rant. Robert's rant. Erica's rant. Our rant, folks. M more ranting. More ranting on the other back. side of the break. <laughs> it's not a funny topic, but it's just. You got to laugh or you'll cry. That's all I know. Exactly. You have to laugh or you'll cry. We'll be back the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Erica Reddick, the other half of, of the people. Come check me out over on Generally Irritable. That's where you'll find me on all the socials. I got Erica Reddick on Twitter. We're not just covering news and politics, but we also cover culture and how those things relate to one another. So come check it out. You can also go to generallyirritable.com and learn more about me and the show. Tired of seeing your rights stripped away by the politicians in Washington who don't care about you or me? Do you feel like a red dot in a pond of blue dots and feel disconnected? It's time to get connected. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is fighting back to restore America. Get connected. Go to ASICFund.org. That's A-C-E-K-F-U-N-D.org to learn more. Do it now. Welcome back to Of The People. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Robert Chernin with Erica Reddick. Erica. Yes. We finally have the manifesto. Thank you, Stephen Crowder, mm. of Audrey Hale. And I forget the transgender name she had. So, folks, this is the woman mm. or man, I forget, or what's in between a man? Hermaphrodite. A non-binary. Yeah, th those guys. Um, this is the woman who was from Nashville, shot, yep, you know, the Nashville shot shooter. The Nashville shooter, yep. three, three adults, three kids. And for some reason... The Nashville police had the manifesto and wouldn't release it. Somehow it got leaked. All things get yep. leaked. Have you yep. read any of these entries? It's oh my staggering. Gosh. It is. Uh, it is 
it was scary to listen to, but not surprising at the same time, Robert. I uh, really, I, it really, and here's why I'm saying that for for any yeah. of our viewers or listeners who, if you guys haven't read it or seen it or heard it yet, I mean, it is literally the rhetoric that they are teaching young people in our schools these days. If you are white, you are the problem. If you are white, you are a colonizer. Uh, if you are white, you are a bad, bad, bad human being. And so Audrey slash Aiden uh, sought to uh, fight back the colonizers. You, and, you know, uh, you know yeah. that's an interesting so. perspective because I thought it was a mental health issue. Right. Because, because like, like the shooter in Maine who was hearing voices in his head, that's clearly a mental yeah. health issue. But in case I happen to have it here, of course, as usual, in case you haven't heard some of this for our listeners, Audrey or Aiden Hale said these crackers going to, going to private fancy schools with these fancy quackies, whatever that is, sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. F you little. I wish to shoot you your weak. ASS gen genitalia with your mop yellow hair. Want to kill all you little crackers, bunch of little with your white privilege. F you. I mean, it's just, you know, I hope I have a yeah. high death count ready to die. Ha ha ha. I mean, this is, so is it, I hope I'm wrong. I think this is a mental health issue. You're, so you're saying, and maybe look, maybe you're right. Maybe this is this whole anti-whiteness movement. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I, I think it is. You know, when we've got, nobody denies that we have a mental health crisis in this country. For now, sure. they're starting to admit a connection between um, all of these anti-psychotic drugs actually making people psychotic. Because let's remember any any you know antidepressant anti-anxiety medication has the um the side effect or the warning that it could make you suicidal homicidal angry depressed anxious they have all these side effects so a lot of these mass shooters are on antipsychotics anti uh, anxiety, antidepressant drugs. Um, this person was transgendered apparently. So not sure if they were on hormones, which anybody who has ever had to do hormone replacement will tell you it screws with your brain. Um, so if we have a mental health crisis in this country, plus we know that people on these antipsychotic medications are losing their minds and becoming violent. Um, and then we're teaching kids in school that they should hate themselves, white guilt, white people are bad, white people are terrible. I, what other outcome would you expect than for some of them to be absolutely breaking and then going and, and, and hurting people? You, you make a I good argument. I, I, I always associated it with a mental health issue, and maybe and and maybe you're right. You know, it just reinforces with me the point. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and and she and I were talking about, you know, the system is broken, the system is broken, the system is broken, and it's not working. And they, mm. talking about government, talking about you know checks yeah. and balances, the elections, the electoral college, talking about a lot of things. And I yeah. thought about that for a while, and I and I came back and I said, you know, maybe. The system isn't broken. 
maybe people are broken. <laughs> right? I'm, I mean, you think? Well, you but, think? But, but this conversation leads me to the same conclusion, albeit this without yeah. a much different conversation. So maybe people are broken, right? And, and you, and you yeah. look at sort of all the, the disconnect and discord in the country, and, and it just and it, and breaks my heart. But, but, we are all perhaps reaping what we've sowed. We are all perhaps being hoisted on our own petard, right? Uh, yeah. When you have divorce, when you have single parent households, when you have lost control of education, when and not only have you lost control of education, you're not really teaching people anything either, right? I mean, there's an article That's I saw. Right. There's an article I saw that 40% of the inner city kids in Baltimore can't do math. Wow. Right? We're not teaching civics. And, and again, you know, not a racial comment, but inner city Baltimore is mostly black, right? I mean, no, yeah. nobody's, nobody's run by black people, you're, yep. you know, run by black people or African-American or whatever the politically correct term is that I never end up using. So yep. it makes you understand that maybe the system isn't broken and maybe it's the people that's broken. And then Absolutely. total, total segue into politics. There Ooh. was a poll out recently that shows Donald Trump, and you know we don't trust polls, but it's it's interesting for conversation. Is yeah. there's a major shift within the black community oh. that twenty or twenty five percent are now voting for Trump, and it's really impactful in those in five of those swing states. So maybe there is this realignment. Maybe the black community is starting to understand that you know they, they've been getting a bill of goods from the Democrats for years. And look, I don't put much credence in any poll, frankly, but I mean. And the black community, the inner city communities, any community of color, any minority community. I mean, is there any parent that doesn't want their kid to start off better than they did? I think I think you're on to something there, Robert. And I think any any person, if they feel like they're not getting what they need or they feel attacked or um under siege or, you know, whatever it is, they're going to vote for the strong man. Um, and that's, that's a, a reality, right? A We've point. seen yep. that across history. Um, and I think especially black people of any, of any other group in this country, um, they know what it looks like to be oppressed, to be cast out to be put down and i think that you're right i think they really are starting to wake up and and this what did you call it earlier in the show the unholy alliance of of there was this unholy alliance black people jews gays muslims uh basically anybody who was a minority kind of got together for Obama, I think, especially because they thought, oh, you know, hope and change and, you know, change for the future. And they really believed that the Democrats and Obama were going to change things. They were going to make it better. And black people yeah, are not yeah. how's, stupid. How's that working for you now? Black yeah, America exactly. or white or white America, by the way. How's that yeah, working for I everybody? You know, especially anybody who's seeing what's happening to the Jews, how they've been thrown under the bus by that coalition. You don't count anymore. You know, black people, you don't count anymore. We got all these, uh, you know, we're, we don't care about you, black people. We care about these illegal immigrants that are flooding our cities. And now um, Hispanics are the new oppressed people that we have to worry about. And black people are waking up. 
and they they really are walking away from the plantation in record numbers and you gotta love to see it so so we need to get leaders within the black community hooked up with brandon strock right walk away hashtag walk away hashtag baby walk away so by the way the concern of the democratic party here's where i start you know my irreverence comes in so Ooh. with this polling that happened yeah so congresswoman jasmine crockett She's in Tejas. She's in Texas. She's one of your congressmen. Oh no! So, oh so no! She, so we've right. already been dragging Texas. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're gonna we're, get so know, much trouble. Yeah. Well, so she's on. I don't know what is she on CNN. And here's what she says about sort of the you know the trend or the polling that shows the black community sort of you know leaving the Democratic plantation, as it were. She says the following. Yeah. So we have a couple of things, the perception issue, and then we have an issue as it relates to civics in this country and people not understanding how any of this works. Here's the deal, perception is reality. So when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. It's all about how you feel in that moment. While the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating the reality and the reality is that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. So basically, she's calling the black community stupid. And and Molly that Hemingway, they one of my actually best better off. Um, right. Sorry. Well, Molly Hemingway's response, and I love her and I follow her. She's the editor in chief of the Federalist. She says basically, voters are too stupid and they don't understand their better, understand their betters, and it's probably not a, a great campaign <laughs> message for Democrats. So <laughs> so any so let's go on the record. Any black person who votes for a Republican is stupid, according yes. to the Democratic plantation of politicians. How oh, am I yeah. doing? Oh, yeah. I had a lady when I ran for office say that for my husband, who, you know, is on the libertarian conservative side, right? Like I ran as a Republican. He's conservative. She said he had internalized the white supremacy. And is that I like thought, swallowing. Is that like swallowing it? Did he swallow uh, this, his white supremacy? It's like internalized. Uh, this, I'm like that is so racist. That is that is nah, racist. It's not. It's not racist. You know what it is? It's in, it's intolerant. So so either mm. either you support them or or I mean they assign things to you. And I think even you know Brandon you know Strzok said it in his interview with you is they just make shit up. You know, they yeah. said, oh, well, that's a microaggression. So they throw out a label. If they can't redefine you, they try to shut you up. If they can't shut you up, then they marginalize you by saying that, oh, well, you know, you're an Uncle Tom or you're a white or you've swallowed your white supremacy, even though you're yeah. a black man. I mean, or you're stupid or we just go or, straight for you're stupid or, or or you're stupid. It couldn't possibly be that you're actually a free and independent thinker and you're making up your own mind based on the facts. That couldn't possibly be it. Now, could it please tell me and please tell me this? Is she white? Who is this lady? White Crockett? No, she's not a cracker. She's, she's a Crockett. Okay, she, well, at least she's black insulting what people. At least she's it's black. even Who worse. Cares what color? Excuse me. And, and we're getting a high sign. We're almost done. Who gives a crap about the color of her skin? She's calling the black you community know, stupid because they're not voting for Democrats and they're starting to go, oh, maybe the Democrats haven't worked for us. Oh maybe we should God. try the. I mean, by the way, we're going to end on this note. I, ladies and gentlemen, Einstein's definition of insanity is repeating the same failed procedures and expecting a different result. What did you think you were going to get in the black community after 50 years of 
promises that you're going to have a better life and your yes. kids are going to get educated and you're going to, yep. you know, be able to, you know, live the life you want to live as opposed to stay on the inner city plantations and continue to vote for the Al Sharpton's Maxine Waters, you know, Jasmine Crockett's of the world. And let's not forget Sheila Jackson Lee. That's all I have to say oh, about that. I couldn't say okay. it better myself. Robert. We ended it with, with Robert's rant one more time, folks. I love it. Fun show. Thanks for staying with us. You've been listening to other people. I am Robert Chernin. Last time I checked. With Erica Reddick. And we will see you next week. Take care. We